Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Commander Clash podcast, episode three on YouTube and also on Spotify. So you can enjoy it either way with our mugs on the face on the video, or you can just listen to our silky smooth voices on Spotify. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And this week we have something also a little bit controversial, hopefully not as controversial as uh, the mono white discussion we had last, last time on episode two. Uh, this time we're going to be talking about power levels in Commander. Uh, so for people who don't know, uh, people like to assign power levels or power ranking system to their commander deck list. And the purpose of this, uh, the idea behind this, is to make it a little bit easier for people to balance out their own tables, their own playgroups when they're sitting down to play. So it's kind of like a shorthand for saying like, oh, we want to have like a mid-tier power level so everybody bring like fives to sixes uh, on the power ranking scale. And obviously there are some pros and there are some cons to this style of system. Um, and first of all, well, let's let's hear from the rest of the crew. Uh, joining with me is, as always, Richard, the site owner. Hello, welcome, Richard. Well, hello, Tomer. And Marvel in my background. It's so <laughs> if, gorgeous. If you're listening on Spotify, check the YouTube video because Richard's garage has been <laughs> emptied by like point zero one percent as I took some play mats and plastered them onto my wall. So, so yeah. Are you saying stocks Is it even? are low and you have to buy now? <laughs> yes, yes. We, I, I heard that Richard's garage contains the next GME. Yeah. <laughs> Limited supplies, <laughs> folks. You heard it here. The garage is empty. You have to get your play mats while you still have a chance. <laughs> it, it, is it just me? But like, <laughs> is the wall slightly? <laughs> oh, Richard, hold on. Oh, don't do that wait, to Richard. Wait, wait, wait. Don't no, do that no, thing. it's it's great. It's measured. The webcam is not straight. Okay, the webcam okay. is not straight. All right, because I'm like, uh, all right, sure. <laughs> oh, Krim, now, now I got to adjust this. How do I fix this? <laughs> so, so the voice you just heard is none other than Krim, the Asian Avenger. Uh, welcome, Yo. Krim. Hey, Telmer, how you doing? Uh, how's that computer going? I heard last time I checked it exploded. Uh, yeah, no, it works again. You know, my C drive is back, so I actually get to do things, which is ideal. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> Fantastic. And rounding out the crew, we got Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive. How you doing, Seth? I'm I'm doing wonderful. I'm excited for this topic. Actually, I, I've been wait. I've been counting down. I, I heard we were going to do this a couple days ago, and I've been <laughs> counting down the days for this podcast because I have some thoughts on you have ranking some. your deck this way. Yeah. So so for people who have never used a power level guide, uh, it's basically a ranking system from one to ten. Generally speaking, one being like the lowest power uh, ranking. Uh, one being basically like a random pile of cards that you've assembled into a legal commander deck. Uh, no cohesion, no nothing, probably no win conditions or anything like that. And as you go up the power ranking scale, as you go up in numbers, um, around three or four would be, you know, some of the sample pre-cons that you can buy from Wizards of the Coast, uh, like Commander 2011 all the way to Commander 2020 or 2021. Um, those pre-cons generally speaking you're going to be somewhere ranked between three on the low end like you know the original pre-cons or maybe five from the latest pre-cons 
And then as you go higher than that, there's uh, more uh, tuned lists, like a six or a seven would be basically like taking a, uh, a, normal, a normal concept deck and just optimizing it as well as possible with like the most efficient ramp, the most efficient win cons, but you know, sticking to the flavor. And that can be done with basically any sort of deck. And then once you move to like the seven and the eight, you're playing not only with just like optimized deck lists, but you're also playing with like the most powerful cards in the format, including let's say commanders. So not only are you just choosing any commander at random, you're choosing the most powerful ones. You're choosing like the Golises, the Edgar Markovs, the Urzas, that sort of stuff. And you're trying to optimize them pretty well. Uh, that's like the seven and eight range. And then finally, at the highest point, nine and 10 range, this is what we call usually uh, CEDH, competitive EDH, where it's like the most powerful, most competitive decks in the entire format. Nines being like the most CD, like the most competitive version of like, you know, powerful tier two deck lists. And then at, reserved at the 10 is like the tier one CDH deck list, the best of the best of the CDH deck lists, uh, those residing there. So there's a spectrum. One, absolute jank, a pile of cards that you just should probably doesn't win very often, if if Am ever. I one? Uh, I don't know. Is, uh, we, we, we didn't talk about Grixis politics is yet. zero. <laughs> the pile of Grixis cards is zero. I have a pile of cards. I don't have win conditions. Uh, I, I think I think two because you always go for second place, right? So. Yeah. So I'm never actively trying to win a game. Yeah. What? When is actively avoided, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, so that's a spectrum. That's something that I think a lot of people have been exposed to, especially if you're trying to get like webcam EDH games uh, these days. If you've joined any of like the Grand Prix that, you know, Channel Fireball has been hosting these online events. Uh, Channel Fireball has their own ranking version. Uh, Richard found this um, on Reddit, the, the EDH official or the EDH Reddit subreddit. Um, easily accessible, and they all seem to have kind of like a uniform uh, understanding of of at least the ranking system itself. There's always going to be tweaks. You know, every single ranking system is going to have their own little definitions of what a 7 is or an 8 is, but generally speaking, you know, they put CDH at 9 and 10, they put pre-cons between like 3 and 5, and they put like the optimized stuff between like 6 and 8, but not necessarily CDH and the jank at the very bottom. So now that we under, now that we have like a baseline of what this power ranking system is, where you find it, and what its purpose is, what does everybody here at the table think about this, these power level systems? And we're gonna start off with Seth because I know you have thoughts. <laughs> ah, okay, so I think the intention of these power level scales are good. The goal is to get people to be roughly matched in their commander games, make the games more fun, more balanced for everyone. So I think that's good. At the same time, I think they're absolutely pointless. I think the problem is no one agrees on the scales. We were just talking about this. There's one at Channel Fireball. There's this one we found on Reddit. There's another one here. No one really knows what most of these numbers mean. If someone tells me their deck is a 10, I know what that means. Their deck is busted. If someone tells me their deck is a one, I know that their deck's busted. If someone tells me their deck <laughs> is a seven, I have literally no idea what separates a seven from a five or a six from an eight. There's so much subjectivity there. Like for a metric like this to have any meaning, 
everyone has to agree on what the individual numbers are actually standing for. And that just doesn't happen. Like, if you're going to do this for pizza toppings, if you told me anchovies were a 1 and pepperoni was a 10, I would get that. But if you tell me that pineapple's a 5, what does that mean? Is that good? Is that bad? I have literally no idea, like, what that actually means. So I like the intention of these scales, but I view them as, like, pretty meaningless for the most part. I think I'm a little bit offended, Seth. Anchovies <laughs> are a 1. If negative numbers were allowed, anchovies would be a negative number. <laughs> I, I, I'm with Seth on that one. <laughs> sounds, like, anchovies there, there, are kind of super disgusting. There, there's something that I enjoy maybe once a year. It's like a celebration, you know? You, know? you have to just be reminded of the taste of anchovies. I think everybody needs to experience it just once. But do you have to, though? Like... <laughs> They have a pungent aroma that is very unique, and they have that sweet, salty taste that just cannot be beat. Uh, that you can you can take that quote. Uh, anyway. and um, one, okay. One, one so more real you're quick not thing. you're not a big fan. Arbitrary. One, one more real quick thing to just drive this home, and then I'll let other people talk. If you look at the scale that we're looking at, look at like an eight. A deck has a specific consistent game plan, often following defined lines of play. Every card supports the plan, like. Couldn't Richard's Birds deck or Skeleton Tribal actually fit that definition when I would consider Skeleton Tribal to be like a two, like all the cards support the plan, they're all on the same theme, like they're playing ramp, they're playing cheap card draw, like is Skeletons an eight because it because it meets that <laughs> definition? Ah, or is Skeletons a two because it's Skeletons? <laughs> when Richard plays it, I definitely consider it an well, eight, so... <laughs> There's more sentences in even that definition. You stopped I mean, there. It was like lots okay, of okay. low-cost ramp. Many decks, or sorry, uh, uh, means casting multiple spells a turn can be expected as early as turn one. I, and I swear bird I bird deck cast oh, multiple spells per turn one. Yes. yes. Ma Mox Opal, okay, Fledgling actually, Opry. Actually, we could make a deck, right? <laughs> Ma Mox Diamond, Fledgling no, no, you, Opry. You, you like Mox? You play <laughs> Mox's. You play Rampant Gross, and then you play your Jank, right? But... <laughs> Yeah, there's some clause in here, isn't there? That every card is like the best in class for that strategy. I mean, fledgling osprey might well, actually like, be one of the is, best is that fifty just like birds what, in magic. Or... <laughs> but I think what it actually means is like you're playing an aggro deck. So what is the best aggro creature? Not like I'm playing bad birds. So what is the best bad bird? Right? Like, but and also like high budget to budget list, like. I guess in theory, if you're running the bird deck, it, you don't really have a budget in mind. But like, I would, I would definitely, I don't know. If your deck consistently was like turn one, mana crypt, mox, whatever, one of the moxes, chrome mox or whatever, uh, soaring, time twister, bunch of birds or something like that, like. I would eight? say it's it's higher power. It's, it's not still an eight. A jank like if deck. you if you line up with the real eight deck, right? Like yeah. it's not. Correct. It's not the same as like Edgar Markov doing something similar. Like there's yeah. there's different levels of like bird jank tribal, but like you're still running high power cards, so it's still higher than maybe even a, like a precon for sure. Like I don't know, like running really powerful cards and being able to cast a lot of spells on turn one. Um, it it increases the power level of your deck, I think, regardless gonna, of what your deck is. We're going to rate our decks is. shortly so we can yeah. figure out what the yeah. real power level of birds is. Because that is a deck yeah. I actually brought to be rated. 
That's true. But to piggy, true. piggyback off what Seth said, I think I largely agree with him. Like, 10 levels of power is too many. And most people cannot differentiate, like, a 7 and a 5 or a 3 and a 6 or whatever. Like, yeah, 1 and 10 are easy. So I think the answer is actually just, like, 4 power levels. Uh, and I don't think you should include, like, random pile of cards should not be a category, right? Like, if you <laughs> just have, like, random garbage, like, why are you trying to rate your, your deck, right? Like, they're a new player or they're, you know, they haven't put any effort in their deck. Like, there's no point. Same with CEDH. It's a different category altogether. So, like, tier one, tier two CEDH decks should not be included because if you're sitting at a CEDH table, like, who cares if you're a nine, Right, that's your problem. You didn't bring a ten, right? We're playing CEDH, right? So like, it doesn't matter, right? So it's really just like, are you playing Jank? Are you playing a really good deck, like a tier one commander, like Edgar Markov, Golo, something like that, or like just everyone else? And I think those are the ones. And if you only have three power levels, I think people can decide more easily, as opposed to at ten, everyone's a seven, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone is an above average driver. Uh, you know, you know the average size of a shirt in the United States is a large. Hence, that would be a medium, right? But it's a large because everyone wants to be a large, right? For for men, everyone wants to be a large, right? They're for everyone is above average. No one will admit their deck is a three. Everyone has to be a seven to begin with, and then maybe you go to eight if your deck is slightly good, or you go to six if your deck is slightly bad. But you know, we were at Magic Fest, and everyone's like, "Yeah, my deck's a seven. And then you get steamrolled by, like, like uh, maybe Crim's uh, turn three Dracoseth or something, right? And then the other person is just casting Kithkin at seven, right? Like, so everyone's a seven. This, the scale's just too much, and there's a little ego in that, right? No one wants to be a two, right? No one wants to be like, my deck is worse than a pre-con, of course, yes, <laughs> right? So everyone's just a seven, and then you just get this, like, giant swath of everyone right so this is an interesting thing um basically what you're saying is like remove remove the like the the random pile the, the super low decks you know usually like they could be a random pile of cards but they could also just be like i'm building a story deck we've done we've done story decks before yeah. we've done like tv shows and we're, we're just like throwing random cards not necessarily because they're good together but because we're like I need, I have like all these cast members in the TV show that I want to represent. This one looks like it embodies that character on the show that I like the most. And I'm running it strictly for that. I'm not running it because it's a good card. It could be like some Homelands card, you know, that's absolute garbage. And you can't even cast half the game, but it's there because it's a cast member. <laughs> so your, your, your suggestion would be like, don't even have those decks on the power level scale and remove CDH decks uh, from the power level scale too. So this is literally just like casual power level scale, right? Not yeah. not an all-inclusive power level scale, a more refined one specifically towards, you know, those casual to semi-competitive decks. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, 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 I'm definitely, like, I, I agree with that. I mean, just getting rid of the CDH part of it. I, I've never understood that part. Why, why is there a 9 and a 10? So I, I don't mind everything before, but, like, yeah, the lines between a 7 and an 8 are extremely, like, like I can't differentiate from that. Like, I, I legitimately cannot tell you what a 7 and an 8 really is, like, like example-wise. So I just assume that, okay, the, like, this is an 8 because I, I guess I can make the table extra miserable. 
<laughs> but, and another, another Krim works on his own scale yeah, of annoying yeah. his opponents. <laughs> this is the scale of misery, right? Like, but but like that's the, I, the thing I've noticed also a lot about what it, what Commander is too. Like when when you remove CDH entirely, right, uh, from the scale, you then have uh, like like sure this is a seven deck, but the issue is there's also like this the social aspect, right? And 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 I think the big part about the biggest thing about Commander is people. There are archetypes people just don't like. So, example, if I told you I brought a seven stacks deck, you're you're gonna be upset no matter what I do, right? Like yeah. like this could be the highest power stacks deck, the lowest power stacks deck. I don't know what a one stacks deck looks like, but just like, random random stacks cards. Yeah. <laughs> Throw okay, them all so in. so then, yeah, this <laughs> winter orb, you know, but also like a three fairy, right? Like okay, probably like a chaos deck with no win conditions. I think sure. that that's what I assume. A chaos deck is like you just throw in a bunch of chaos cards, and you have no ways, no ways of breaking the symmetry, no ways of winning the game. You, <laughs> you just actually have, are just rolling dice and yeah, you just have scramble versus. You have a very specific game plan though, and you're following yeah, it, that's, and that's all your so cards match eight. it. Right? It's an eight. <laughs> that's an eight. That, no, but like, see the thing. But it doesn't is, win the game. Like it just it just prolongs the game until you lose because you have no way of winning. <laughs> that's like, how I built like ninety five percent of my deck. So yes, prolong the game until I lose. That's actually like the logic behind my deck building, but. Uh, so the the thing about these scales is they don't actually mention archetypes, right? And and like an archetype is just innately powerful. Like this is technically, let's just say on the scale of stacks decks, this is a seven or a six compared to other stacks decks. I and I think that just as long as you're playing like a stacks deck, no matter what, it will be considered bad form. So so I. Which, well, I, I don't necessarily know, like, I wouldn't say I agree with that, but that is a thing that most people will just look at. So these scales don't take into account archetypes, so I, I don't know how I'm supposed to look at most of these scales. I get the general idea that, like, I, I know that I want the table to kind of, like, <laughs> play the game, but, like, also, you know, like, wh- where where can I start playing my archetypes? So, like, where, where do I put the archetypes? I just don't know how to grade those. Okay. All right, so I'm I'm definitely opposed to the rest of this this table here because I think that uh, power ranking scales are actually good, and something like this when I'm reading it, I I I I've been f- mostly familiar with like the command uh, channel fireball um, scaling system just because like when I'm invited to events or whatever uh, for webcam EDH, that's the one that I've been looking at. But I'm looking at this one. And I really like it, and I feel like it explains a lot, but it's just it's just kind of it's kind of long. You have to read all of it. So like if you're talking about a, a deck that has a specific archetype, um, I think I think it covers that in like the five to seven range where it says it's like has a broad strategy in mind. All right, uh, that's a five. So you just have like I'm a spellslinger deck. Um, decks with a plan is is six where i think plan is is what they mean by like an archetype where it's like i'm a plus one plus one counter deck i'm a spell singer deck i'm a stacks deck or whatever that and you're focusing it says uh multiple uh cards that synergize well and enable a solid uh game plan spell choices are more focused mixed levels efficiency um and it, t- it talks about like different different aspects that you would find in that deck and then if you want a more powerful version of that synergy archetype deck you move over to a seven and it says like decks are largely refined down to just the bed- best cards of your strategy so now if you're a plus one plus one counter deck you're not just running like all your pet cards you're running like the best plus one plus one counter 
uh, payoff cards, uh, near-perfect land bases, multiple cheap tutors, highly efficient ramp draw, blah, 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 blah. Like, I feel like, I feel like this scale is actually really good. If you sat down and actually, like, read every single descriptor of it, you should be able to find a pretty, fairly accurate uh, self-assessment. How well people actually use that is a different thing, but I think the scale is actually really good. Like, but I then, think the scale was made by spikes. Okay. Right? And I think that's the biggest problem, right? Like, if you know everything about magic, you can sit down and sort every EDH deck into these 10 buckets, right? Because you know what a good mana base looks like. You know what the best cards are for a certain strategy, right? But if you're a casual player and you built a deck, how do you know that you have the best mana base possible, right? You, you don't really, right? Unless you do the research, right? You built the best deck that you could, Right. So in your mind, you're like somewhere at a six or a seven. Right. You, you, you thought of a strategy. You put all the best cards for that strategy together and you think you know what you're doing. But in reality, you may not know what you're doing. You built a three. Right. And yeah. I think that's where the problem comes in. Right. Because most people, when they build a deck, they will build the best version of that deck to the best of their knowledge, to whatever constraints they have. Right. And like so like the rating will just naturally be higher. But in reality is, you know, there there happens to be better cards for your strategy, right? Hey, Richard, birds are not the best aggro creature. Have you tried vampires, right? If yeah. you did that, like your deck would jump like four power levels, you, you know, trying to play the exact same aggro tribal strategy, right? Or, you know, did you know there are these reserveless cards that will increase your mana base power, right? Like, so that's why I think a casual player will have a really hard time doing this. And like, if we basically live and breathe magic every day for like literally the past decade or something can't determine this power level scale. Like how is someone who plays like their commander deck like once a month or once a week going to figure this out, right? And the answer is they don't. And everyone is a seven, right? That's okay. my conclusion, right? It's like, a, it's very difficult to actually bucket this without like extensive EDH knowledge. Yeah, I mean, oh, I've, seen, of... I've seen tons of people rate their deck like a six or a five because they're like, ah, it's just cards I own, dot deck. But cards I own from which era, right? Like, if I show up with my <laughs> Ixalan made, like, commander deck versus, like, you know, <laughs> like, the, an older block or uh, any other block, like or an Eldraine deck, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to get bodied, right? And then, like, it's like, well, oh, that's a six compared, like, I mean, I, this is just what I have, so, it, but it's a six. And to, like, piggyback on what both Richard and Tomer said, like... Everyone has to be working on that scale for it to make sense. So, like, if our Commander Clash playgroup wanted to rank our decks based on the scale, we could probably do a pretty good job of that. But if you show up at a random Command Fest and you're playing with three random people, like, unless they have also read the same scale and thought about it in the same way you are, you knowing the scale or ranking your deck based on that scale doesn't really have that much value because they aren't working with the same, like, you know, framework as you are, essentially. I think I think you bringing up like going to an event like a Channel Fireball event or something like that is a good point because I think that's like it's gr the greatest strength of this power ranking scale is like let's say you want to go to an event and you want to play commander with strangers like a Channel Fireball like a GP what what are the options how do you quickly find people who are roughly in the same power level as you or like roughly the same balance as you um, if it's like there's like hundreds of people looking to play games. There's so many tables. You don't know where to go. You just find like three other people uh, sitting next to you or something like that. I was like, hey, let's play a game. Um, 
everybody brings out their deck, uh, what are what are the options? I feel like the power ranking system is at least like at the very least, like if you people put like a number on the tables and be like, this is for like the one to three range. This is from like the five to seven range. This is from like the eight to ten range. Something like that. And they have a loose they have a loose definition of the power ranking somewhere there. Now at least you can go there and then you can fine tune, right? But what if they really love anchovies buckets, like you? Like I suggested. <laughs> And I really yeah. hate anchovies like me. Like, aren't you going to be off balance anyway? Like, going back to, to anchovies there? Like, what about narrowing it down like Richard said? Like, when I look at this list, yeah. having three I different like numbers for pre-cons seems excessive to me. Do you really need, like, pre normal pre-con, strong pre-con, slightly upgraded pre-con, and then decks with a plan? Like, couldn't you put all those into one pre-con bucket, maybe, and get this down to, like... They, they all play together, right? Like, if you're a three, yeah. and someone is a four, you're not like, I can't play with you, you're a four, like, get out of here, <laughs> right? Like, you're going to play together anyway, right? So, you might as well just put them in the same bucket, right? I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's an intent either. It's not like your fives can't play with fours or sixes. I think, like, the entire idea of it is you want to play within a, a general range. Like, what you want to do is you don't want a... A five to be matched up with a one or an eight or a like you want you want the five to be matched up with a four or a six or a five. I think I, I think like trying to get like a perfect synergy. First of all, you would need a lot of people with a lot of different decks to hope to get like you know the perfect number balance or whatever that is. But also, it's just not it's not viable. And even if even if everybody has a five at the table, for example. The magic has so much variance that some people just might run hot, right? Like my deck might pop off while yours might just get mana flooded. It doesn't mean that our decks are not like similarly balanced to each other. It just means we played one game of Magic the Gathering. There was a lot of variance in it. And it so happened that mine showcased a lot better. We see that all the time in Commander Clash, right? Like we've had we've had decks where we think, you know, one deck is way stronger than the other, but just based on how things drew maybe somebody drew nut and like took somebody out really really fast uh maybe you know somebody wheeled at an inopportune time you know just like stuff like that happens and like the sample size of like one or two games is not going to be a good uh determining factor but i think like yeah just brackets i think are a good idea if, if we narrow down like the number of categories maybe it'll be a little bit easier to grok but like i'm looking at at this list and like even if I'm a newbie, I feel like this is basically the best way I can find uh, a, a good way of, of figuring out what my deck's power level is. Because, like, it's literally like a checklist. Like, oh, uh, I don't know if my lands are really good. Well, it says, like, decks of a plan. Most uh, lands entering untapped are prioritized. Well, all my all my mana fixing lands enter tapped. So that doesn't really match it. And then, like, I basically, like, go through, like, a checklist. Like, are my lands entering mostly untapped? Uh, yes or no. All right. So that's going to be a determining factor. Uh, am I running the best cards for my archetype? Yes or no? Uh, well, I'm running a lot of pet cards. So probably no. And like stuff like that. Yeah, how many tutors am I running? I'm running no tutors. You know, like I'm just hoping that I find the, the removal when I need it. Like that sort <laughs> I, of stuff. I feel like those are some of the more objective ones. But then you have like... How do you know if you're playing a Spellslinger deck? To go back to that example, how do you know if yeah. your deck has a broad strategy in mind or a definite strategy in mind? Like, where does your broad strategy, you add one more ponder, and then all of a sudden, now you have a definite strategy, <laughs> and you're a six instead of a five? Like, 
untapped lands or like how many tutors is pretty objective, but some of that stuff seems pretty subjective to me. Okay. Well, we have clearly some disagreements on the power ranking scale, but now we're going to uh, see how well we can use this particular power ranking scale um, to determine our own decks. So all four of us brought uh, decks that we've played in the past, and we're going to use this power ranking guide. Uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify, uh, check out the video because it's on the screen. <laughs> we, or we'll we have like, a link to oh. it. Yeah, on the well, article section too. Uh, but we're using this power level guide in EDH that Richard found. Uh, again, it was from like the Reddit subreddit. And it's one of the first uh, things you'll find if you like type in power level uh, guide commander in Google. You'll find it in the top searches. We're going to see how well we can use this because like some of us are saying that it's not really good. Um, and some of us are saying that, you know, uh, it is really good. So let's, let's start <laughs> off with... Uh, welcome to the salt mines by Krim. What is so so? So, uh, so briefly describe your deck, Krim, for yeah, people on the podcast. Okay. Your deck oh yeah, we'll look it over. Assume, assume you're at a pod of new players, and you have to describe your deck so that and, people understand. Yeah. So this is for everyone listening at home. This is my super friends deck that I have in paper. Uh, it's Esper. It's got Navinriel as the commander. It was Amanatu, but since you know, uh, you know, spell table times and you know, webcam times, I had to change that up. And uh, like, yeah, so it's just about playing planeswalkers because I've always loved planeswalkers in Magic, right? Man, uh, I've uh, like, I what if my pet cards, example, like a lot of my pet cards are really good cards, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, example, like Jace the Mind Sculptor, I just have memories tied to it, so I play that, right? The card's actually not great in Commander, but um, and then like cards like Three Fairies, so there there are tons of planeswalkers, but the issue is. Uh, I would say that because of the Planeswalker rep and whatnot and how those decks usually go, immediately this, like, catapults my, like, power level up, right? Uh, but, yeah, so that is actually my game plan. Just play Planeswalkers, sweep the board, have counter spells. That's it. I noticed that there's no uh, wheels with the Hall Breacher, which, <laughs> I mean, you are benevolent. I, I don't... Sir. I don't need to have wheels anymore, you know? Yeah. Like, just the idea that I could swat some draws is good enough, right? <laughs> like, I don't, I like, the wheel part is, like, you know, like, sure, why not? Let's let's let people have a good time here. They can wheel. <laughs> let's let people have a good time here, Counterbalance. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. Maybe Not too happens. much of a good time. But yeah, some... just enough of a time. So This is, like, the perfect right, What's your power level? On. Yeah. Uh, I say this is a, well, okay. I feel like this is an eight. An eight. An eight. I would say this is as powerful. I could, I could like, actually, it could be, a, I guess, like an extremely high seven. Uh, mm. but, <laughs> <laughs> like, just on the brim of it. Because there are things in here that, that just aren't great. I think, like, Ashiok's not great, but I just play it because I have a f- cool art version of it. Right? So, like, I, I, I think this is an eight, though. Okay. Hmm. I think Can this is actually... I think it's actually really tough. I I was leaning more towards like high six, low seven, based on the definitions that are that are given there. Like mm-hmm. uh, right. it definitely has a plan. It doesn't really have cheap tutors for the most part. It's kind of just like I, I got a bunch it. of planeswalkers. <laughs> so it's it doesn't have a bunch of like cheap cantrips to find pieces either. So you don't really have that. As far as like a bunch of staples, 
you don't re- I mean you have cards that are good for the deck but it's not like overly staply I don't think outside of like the soul rings so I would say like somewhere between six and seven based on the scale that we're looking at is where I'd put yes. it mm-hmm. yeah. okay I would say it's a six because yep. you have like some dirty pet planeswalkers in there I, I think if we go by this scale and you want to play Planeswalkers, you'd have to play Doubling Season. And then that would put you into a 7 or 8. Or like a uh, Deep Glow Skate, right? But like, here's the problem with it, right? The deck is a really good Esper Planeswalker deck. Maybe the best mm-hmm. you can build, possibly, right? But it's Esper Planeswalkers, right? And the strategy itself is a bit awkward. And then there are some Planeswalkers that are not strong, right? But does but, it not get boosted by the fact that it has a combo? Maybe. The combo, the combo being the Oath with the Fairy? Uh, like, yeah, so, like, Chain Veil, right? And oh, like, yeah, yeah, Chain Veil combos. Like, chain yeah. Veil to Fairy. But yeah, you don't have any way to find it. Yeah. You're just kind of like, right. I got 100 cards, maybe I'll draw them. So if you had, like, a bunch of Demonic Tutors and Vampiric Tutors, and your goal was, like, to find that every game, yeah. then, I'd be, then I would probably be more willing to put it a little higher but i also but, like can you like put this at the same level as like a golos deck no or, i or I, I would wouldn't those be like sevens or eights yeah i think those, just by, by h decks though right those are just decks i i would say golos is like more pushing like closer to cdh than this deck right i mean i would say this is like about it could it could play against a golos deck it can play against those decks but the thing here is i'm not I don't know. Like, I, I think this deck itself can play against them. That's that's what that so, would mean for me. So okay. I think like this is literally the definition of six, as 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 said by this guide. Decks have a d- definite strategy in mind. This definite strategy is you know super friends, and you're built around your planeswalkers, supporting your planeswalkers, making sure they don't die. Like that's where the commander comes from. Um, that's where, <laughs> that's, uh, like everything's built around that. Like there's a lot of board wipes, you know, settle the wreckage, stuff like that is, is to protect the, the, the planeswalkers from removal. There's a ton of board wipes in this deck specifically for protecting the, the planeswalkers. And there's ways to get more value out of these planeswalkers of like Oath of the Fairy and stuff. So the deck has a definite plan, right? So that's, that's the first sentence of six. Spell choices are more focused, but mixed levels of efficiency arguable like are all all the planeswalkers as efficient as as possible are all the the board wipes as efficient as possible maybe not like i don't think i don't think like every single card is as efficient as it could possibly be and there's definitely like some notable uh cards that are missing like you don't have like a mana crypt or anything in there you don't have like the most efficient ramp for example um and so, that's intentional. That's like by design, yeah. right? Like yeah, so. yeah. But 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 I think that's that's just following what what the definition of six is. Lands entering untapped are prioritized. I think that is definitely the case. I see like maybe one or two uh, lands that enter battle tapped, like celestial, <laughs> celestial colonnade, colonnade, which yeah. is not good in commander. But I love <laughs> there's it. an arcane sanctum. But for the most part, almost everything enters the battlefield untapped. And then uh, most decks contain at least one hard win con, usually a combo. I think that's where we come up with the uh, the, the veil, the chain veil combo with the fairy. Uh, decks have a modest budget. That's the only thing that doesn't fit 
the category here because this is like a three thousand dollar deck. But if you look at if you look at the seven, if you look at the seven refined down to just the best cards of their strategy, I would argue no. If you have like a hull breacher, you want to have a wheel. If you have like a narset, you want to have a wheel. Uh, yeah. Perfect near perfect land bases. I would say also no. There's like cards like Arcane Sanctum, multiple cheap wait, tutors. Arcane no, Sanctum is almost wait. a perfect mana base. He has all original duels in here. Arcane Sanctum he, is good. That's an Esper. But it, it enters tapped. I feel like I feel like ah. it could have been. It could there could be a little tweaks here. Multiple cheap tutors, absolutely not. I, I, don't I play can't any. even find any. Uh, nope. Most decks are are generalists. Uh, most decks become less generalist as they foam uh, focus mostly on their primary strategy. I mean, this is pretty focused on Planeswalkers, but I feel I would argue that it could be even more. Expect to least, least, see lots of powerful staples. Again, I don't see it here. Higher budget decks feel like Coven. That's a, I would agree that it's a higher budget deck. But like this, almost almost sentence by sentence, if you're following the criteria listed here for six, it is a six. The only thing that, that I think uh, strays from that is the budget. But again, definition of budget is still also subjective. But like this is like literally a six. Like if I looked at the power level guide, I read every single sentence like I just did right now as a checklist, and then I looked at your at your list, I would say this is a six by the definition of this power level guide, like hundred percent. Like it's Here, not even it's not even unambiguous. With this, though, right? Like in terms of deck building, this is like, you know, an eight or nine out of ten, right? It's a really well put together deck. But you walk away with a six, and you feel bad. That's six out of ten. That's sixty percent. Why do that's you feel like, bad? I feel great. Like a D. I can play this. <laughs> what do you feel bad about it, though? That's that's just like trying Be to find a balanced table. Like I have it, a bunch of decks that are. But are the thing is, like to to make your deck quote unquote better, right? Like for example, you say things like, if you play Hullbreacher, you need wheels, right? And then you're no. going to start stripping away kind of the core of this deck, which is an Esper Planeswalker deck, right? So. It's kind of like almost one of the best decks you could build given Crim's parameters. But I'm right? not. I'm not saying that it, it. You have to. It has to be better. I'm saying that at its current power level, I think that it's a six. And there's nothing wrong with playing sixes. I feel like sixes. That's, that's, that's is the a thing, table. though. It still feels bad that you have a six, Why? right? Even though there's like, if you called it anything else, if you called it a regular deck, you wouldn't feel bad, right? But because you're calling it a six out of ten, it feels bad. Is that is that a common perception though with the play group, or is that just I called it a six? Like, do you feel bad when I call it a six? No, I I feel I feel liberated. <laughs> so oh, now yeah. when my uh, I'm like, hey, friends that I play with, I told you this wasn't that yeah, good. Like, like, <laughs> like remember the the point of this power level scale is to make sure that people's t uh, decks are are relatively balanced with each other, and obviously there's going to be variation, and it's not going to be perfect, but like. This guide, I feel like, pretty much nailed it. Like, it gave you a very set checklist, and I think it went there perfectly. So now, now if I have a deck that I also graded against uh, this, and it was also six, I would assume that if we played many games together, me and Krim with our two decks, uh, there would be a close level of power level. Now, obviously, my deck could counter his in terms of maybe I'm running just like a bunch, a billion, all my removal spells hit planeswalkers or something. All my board wipes hit planeswalkers too. And I'm just oh. like a burn deck or whatever like that. There's <laughs> more things there, but like in general, I think this is this is really good. <laughs> but I don't but, know. The, uh, but the other thing is it doesn't take into account fun. And like the whole thing about like <sighs> Playing commander <laughs> and trying to balance power levels is sure. so everyone can have fun. I would imagine if I didn't know Krim and I went to a Magic Fest and I was like, 
hey, I got a six. My deck is a little better than upgraded pre-con, and I'm going to, like, cast some creatures and try to do my thing. And Crim's like, oh, yeah, I'm a six, too. Like, look at the scale. And he's just like, wrath, 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 counterbalance. Like, I'm not going to come away from that experience having fun, even though we're both sixes, quote, unquote. Well, maybe maybe the power level guide is not the only criteria you should be using at games, but I think it's a very powerful one in terms of organization, organizing, organizing people. Wow, that took me a while. Organizing <laughs> people into general groups, right? Like if if we say like, oh, all, all the people who have uh, decks power level five to seven group up over here, and then once you find that group, it's now a smaller, more manageable group. You're like, all right. Uh, what do people want to not play against? All right, we don't want to. We want to play the creatures, and we want our stuff to like survive. At least go onto onto the battlefield from the stack. Like if we cast it, we want it to at least resolve, and then you can remove it. And I want to just like I want the game to end in a certain amount of time. And we're gonna get to that a little bit further with the professor's video as we're gonna be covering that further. But like I feel like this is a powerful tool to at least get closer to balance, right? Like it doesn't. It won't it won't cover fun, it won't cover strategies, but like I can pretty definitively say based on the scale that Crim's deck is like a six, and that he probably should be paired up against other people who are between like five and seven. All right. All right. So next deck. Yes. Next deck. <laughs> we spent a long time talking about Esper yeah. Control. <laughs> All right, let's go Super let's Friends. Go to, let's <laughs> go to control. let's go to my Niv Mizid deck as as a secondary. Uh, this is a personal deck list that I recently just threw in um, a mana drain in, and I felt really dirty about. No, uh, <laughs> no but, <Tomer>, no. <laughs> but this is this is a, a deck that is, I would say, a little bit higher power. Um, it's a Nivmizit Perun deck, which I feel is a very powerful commander. Like as you, as everybody at the table has already experienced, um, he gets he gets to draw a lot of cards very easily, and. Uh, the deck is a spell slinger deck, so it's, it runs a bunch of cards that care about instants or sorceries, but it also has some very powerful combos. Uh, if you enchant Niv Mizaparun with either Curiosity, Aphidian Eye, or uh, Soul Bind him with Tandem Lookout, uh, as soon as Niv deals one damage to any player, you're going to draw a card, which will cause Niv to deal one damage to any player, and then you draw a card, and it's a, basically an infinite damage loop a bunch of different ways, times that way. What would you think on power level scale? What would you say it was? Um, I would say it is like definitely at the very least a seven. I think it's a seven. I would I would say that it's probably between a five and a six. Ooh. Yeah, I think it's, I think a, it's a fine six, because your mana base is budget, right? The like mana that base is very rules budget. you out a seven immediately. You no, know? you don't have a perfect or nearly perfect land base. Mm-hmm. See, I was going to say this is an 8, but that's because I feel this is the same power level as my Super Friends deck. <laughs> like, I the mean, strategy is a lot stronger, right? But and there's a running very the best cards? Commander. Probably. Like, that's the other thing. Like, Niv is a busted commander, so you yeah. can play a lot of, like, bad cards. And if you have a Niv, who cares? Because they're all drawing an extra bad card, and that works out in the end. But I think the mana base for me would make me have a hard time putting it at seven. I think like you don't, you don't have the tutors and you and don't six. have the mana crypts and mana vaults and things like that. So th th it should be at the same level as Krim's deck roughly around. I mean, I have there, a couple right? tutors. I have Merchant Scroll, which I mean, it doesn't find the curiosity combo, but there's a second combo in the deck uh, that I neglected to say, 
which is the Isochron Scepter Dramatic Reversal combo, where you basically cast Dramatic Reversal infinite times, make infinite mana, and that's infinite cast, so you win with uh, Nimizit Perun or, or Ralph Storm Conduit. So you can find one of those pieces with Merchant Scroll, but you can also find it with uh, Muddle the Mixture, and I can also find Curiosity uh, by transmuting Dizzy Spell. So I can transmute uh, Muddle the Mixture for either pieces of the Isochron Dramatic combo, or uh, transmute the uh, Dizzy spell to find Curiosity. But yeah, it's limited. It's, it is definitely limited in a counter in a tutoring aspects. And there are a bunch of tap lands. Oh, I feel like this illuminates why I have such a hard time with the scale. Because when I look at this deck, I would be super scared to play against it. And if we were playing, you would probably be my initial pick for Arch Enemy at most tables, because I know how powerful Niv is. But then when I look at it and I see like, Cold Steel Heart and Corrupted Graph Stone and Swiftwater Cliffs. I'm like, hey, how hey can I now. possibly rank this hot as highly as I want to based on this like criteria? Because it just doesn't meet the criteria of the higher rankings. Yeah, so this this sheds some some inconsistencies because this is the first time we've had like a big discrepancy. But would I this, think deck this deck be so seven? powerful that you wouldn't want to play against it? I'd play against it. I'd just try to kill Tomer first, probably. <laughs> right? So, so in that sense, I mean, it's working, yeah. right? If, if we rate the two decks, like, roughly the same, and they play together, like, close enough, right? <laughs> like, whether we say it's a 6 or a 7 or an 8, it's close enough that we would play together. So it's fine, yeah. right? Maybe? I, I, I think I think this would be a 6 if it, it was, like, a 6, perhaps even... Well, no, I'd say it's a 6 if it didn't have Nimizid as commander, and I feel the commander itself bumps it up to seven that that that's my opinion on it um but like maybe it is maybe it is just a six as well uh yeah but i i think i think it both could play with each other yeah i i do think they both could have a good game with each other i think uh maybe maybe i maybe my deck has a little bit of a of, of an advantage because the is really good at pinging down uh planeswalkers um but it really depends on the type of Esper Super Friends. Like if there were more targeted instant speed removal spells against Niv, then it would be a much harder time for me to do it. And, uh, you know, there's a, uh, Crimzek has a lot of answers to creatures as well. So it'd be difficult for me to keep Nimizan on, on the battlefield. And both of us take a while to win the game because we don't have a lot of that, that many tutors. Um, yeah. Okay, so so, so yeah, like this what, whatever a, you would say your deck is, I would say mine is the same. Like like I would say we're about the same rank. Maybe maybe like the spells that we're playing in, like Seth had mentioned earlier, the levels of fun <laughs> could be in question. But I would say that we are the same power level. You're the yeah. same level of fun too. <laughs> I know, I know. I love this deck so I, much. <laughs> I think we are, like Tomer and I's deck are perfectly I... in the same pod. One sec. Half the reason why is because, look at that, look at that. All right, if you if you're just listening to Spotify, I highly recommend at least looking the article, because uh, yeah, uh, we have we have all this. Is that a cake? Does the deck box bring your ranking up uh, any <laughs> any amount of levels? Where is that in our criteria? This could be this could very be a nice deck box. Hashtag thumbnails. There's an asterisk. If you have a matching deck box, increase power level by one. Yeah. All right. So so yeah. It's way better all, than all, mine. All, all our deck skull. lists are going to be all our deck lists are going to be linked in the article and in the video section of YouTube. So if you're listening on Spotify, you can just check those out. We'll also have our power ranking scale there too. Uh, so we'll move on to Seth's deck. This is a Hans Ericsson deck. Tell us a little uh, bit about this. Uh, yeah, so. so so this is a Hans deck, and 
It's a Hans deck. It's trying to get Hans on the battlefield, hopefully with haste, put something big on top of the library with like Sylvan Tutor or Worldly Tutor or some other shenanigans like Cream of the Crop. And then hopefully put that big like Blight Steel or Crater Huff or World Spine Worm into play and one shot someone essentially with a bunch of things to also protect Hans from the fighting when a creature comes into play. So me looking at this deck, I think... The one thing that keeps me from maybe putting it at a seven would be, I think the mana base has some tap lands and it's definitely not efficient. Doesn't have real dual lands, could be playing like more off color fetch lands, but otherwise, I mean, I think it has the cohesive plan. It's got the fast mana for the most part and it's got the cheap tutors. So I think somewhere between like six and seven is where I'd probably put it. You love MDFC so much. There's like every like, MDFC in this deck. There's 29 lands in the Th deck. Those I'm are like, tap lands. There's something wrong. All <laughs> tap, tap lands. Land. Like this is good. <laughs> All my decks are like that. I'm a big believer in the MDFCs. <laughs> but you know the answer tap, right? There's a, this, there's a downside. <laughs> Well, I love MDFC stuff, but I don't love them as much as you I, uh, do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anybody who loves MDFC as much as you. So, all right. Uh, okay. So, I, I totally agree that there are some there are some uh, cards that I would consider uh, a little bit like like lowering the power level a little bit. Um, it has a definite strategy. Um, so, I think I think I, I would say it would be like at least a six. Uh, the, the spell choices, uh, I'm still following the, the checklist here. More focused, mixed levels of efficiency, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, lands entering untapped are prioritized, I would disagree there. Uh, Battle Cruiser <laughs> decks are uncommon. Most decks contain at least one hard win con, usually a combo. I, I don't see any combos. Are there any combos in the deck, Seth? Probably oh. like. Uh, does like put blight steel on top of my deck and one shot you with Hans count as a combo? Like I that's, think yeah, that's most of your cards kind of finish the game pretty pretty efficiently. Yeah. Like if you put up a world spine worm and you're hitting somebody for 15 damage trample, uh, or even worse, like a crater hoof or something like that. Like I think that's gonna kill people pretty fast. Like you yeah. have a lot of haymakers. So that that would be the um, combo, I guess, is tutor something to the top and then try to win with it. I think this would be like this would be like a, a high six. I think this would be a high six. It, it has some like faster starts, right? It has like jeweled lotus, mana vault, soul ring. It doesn't have mana crypt. Um, That's and, because of our banned list. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have a lot of untapped lands. Uh, it has cheap. It has some cheap tutors and like uh, top deck manipulation, especially um, highly efficient ramp. I think it has efficient ramp. Like you have a lot of two CMC ramp options. You have some one CMC ramp options. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think this is a high six. I see it as a like a definitely. But once again, like Seth's deck here has a little. It's a little bit more creature heavy, but nonetheless, I would say it's on the same power level as the decks that we have shown today. So they're all about a high six. What do you think, Richard? Wait, I, I think it's a six based on definition, but it's definitely not the same power level as both of your decks. What do you mean? No, there's creatures, like, <laughs> and, and then like these creatures are like just by outside of, of trying to play creatures and winning by like combat. Like his strategy is worse than your decks, right? Is yeah, it uh, that much worse if he just puts up a Blightsteel Colossus and cheats into the play of Hans Ericsson and one-shots somebody? I mean, that is the combo, but everything else he does is laughable compared to Niv-Mizzet going off, right? I don't know. I I, I think, like, uh, putting putting down, like, a freaking 
what's it called, Port Razor, and it's going like dun 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 in extra combat, extra combat, extra combat. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of nasty things that uh, this Hansa can actually pull off. I mean, it can, but would you sit down at a table and be like, Hans Ericsson, got to kill him first, or like the Niv-Mizzet player sitting there, right? I would, I would still... Power I, level six, right? Yeah, I, I would still put... I still think Niv-Mizzet is a seven, and I think yeah. this one's more of a high six. I think I would kill also the Niv-Mizzet player more, more, uh, more prejudice. But, but I still think like that's their commander, though, right? Like that's just because yeah. the commander that that's is. something about inherent power in the command zone yeah. as well, right? Like a Hans Ericsson, like his his like, the rest of his deck could be really good, uh, but like his commander is not as strong as like a half combo piece sitting in the command zone, right? I think he's very scary. I don't know, like if if we played more games with Hans Ericsson. I think you'd be legit terrified as soon as he attacks, like every single time. Yeah, but he has to attack. Yes, okay, he has an attack, but he has haste. He's in red. He'll be fine. Like, is it one of these, like, was it like unfocused or something? All the way down, the deck is dependent on their commander being in play at all times to simply function. Like, that's one of the. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd say that because there is a bunch of ramps. Like, I guess like, that's true. You do ramp into the bit. You can you just, just cast, cast it these cards. You just, yeah. yeah, you just cast them. Like, and it's not like any of these creatures are bad on their own for the most part. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's not like if you hard cast a Balefire Dragon, I'm like, ugh, Balefire Dragon. But I will without be your commander, you you're playing Battlecruiser play. Magic, right? Like that's the problem, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. He also Which has is... secondary ways of, like, it's not dependent on Hans. You can see Ilharg is another way to get stuff into play. Perforos is another play, a way to get into play. Uh, there's no sneak attack, but. Um, I mean, there's enough green creatures to where, I don't know, like, oh, no, no, sneak attack doesn't care. I'm thinking Perforos, sorry. Yeah, like it, aside from like the Lorgoyf, I'm like <laughs> the Lorgoyf is the only there for flavor. flavor. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I respect that. But like, there's the fast mana. There's a Dockside extortionist. There's a Jewel Lotus. There's the Mana Vault. There's a Soul Ring. There's ways to give him haste, lightning grease, and hammer. Like it's very focused of a deck. There's alternate ways to get your creatures onto the battlefield, either by ramp or or by cheating them into play of Perforos. I think this is like a high six. A high six. And definitely something that can play at the same table as the previous two. Okay, so we got the Hans. Finally, it's time for the birds. Richard, <laughs> tell us about this this bird tribal deck that you you brought to us at the table. All right, bird tribal. We're playing forty three creatures Jeez. of That's like worse than I thought. two CMC birds. birds from Magic's history. Some of my favorite old birds. Okay, and. You have a lot of card draw with like things like Biden of Thassa and Distant Melody, and you're just gonna win with good old fashioned combat. Yes, right? It's like a twelve turn you know, a twelve turn clock, uh <laughs> twelve card combo where you assemble enough birds to beat people down. Okay? And the, the the most the closest thing to a combo that you can get to is like multiple birds distant melody or multiple birds Dovin's veto. I mean Dovin's Grand Arbiter. Uh, and that's it. So <laughs> you have a prismatic piper in your command zone, Richard. What are you doing? It's a bird. <laughs> I needed a white bird for my commander. Right? There's a theme. <laughs> so, looking at the power scale, this has to be <laughs> a two like, or a three, right? This like, is like it can't I be think one. This is a four. I think this is like a four. Yeah, I would say this is a four. Uh. 
Oh man, like okay, so you have no tutoring capabilities. You have some powerful cards like Dowsing Dagger. It maybe this is a three even. There's <laughs> there are like things you can do that's really good. Like you play a bunch of low cost birds and then you put Biden of Fassa. But like there's so many there's so many situations where you just like draw your seven and you're like, Oh, I have a bunch of Birds. one mana one one flyers. That's exactly what the deck is trying to do. I, I, I won't <laughs> lie to you. If I looked at this deck list, I would definitely say it's about a three because I would almost let you handpick your seven cards. Yeah, this, is, this is a three to me. I, uh, I decks think, have two, yeah. three basic strategies. I, think it's I mean, be a it has four. one. I think so it's got to be a four because I think no, it has focused on birds. It has one basic strategy. The mana base is still ugly to look at, based yep. on real standards. Uh, may or may not have specific win cons in mind. Uh, doesn't really. It's kind of just like it's attacking and then attack. maybe pumping the birds. Has some drawing, not really tutoring, but it's <laughs> mostly overcosted, low budget. I feel like it hits almost every mark of a four. You know what really hits me? The last yeah. sentence of two. Expect a glut of enter the battlefield tap lands and trap choices like Temple of the Falls God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, we no. did a video on that. Temple of the Falls God. <laughs> kind of redeemed. Not really, though. Um, yeah, I mean, Seth, you just you just sold me on it. Like, looking at the definition. Again, the definitions, I think, are really good. I, this is a solid three for me. And that's, uh, that's a bit generous, too. Like, it's not that... It's not that uh, uh, sorry, a solid four for me. It's not that, like, the cards are uh, drawing and tutoring is over-costed. Um, it's just that there's so few of them that you kind of got to get like hope to find them and then snowball and hope they don't get removed. Why is there the, a uh, It's got to be lower. The gap is too small between like Niv Mizzet, right? <laughs> like how many decks can you fit between, right? Like, well, like a four and a seven. I don't think I don't think I don't think you would be comfortable bringing I this deck at our table. I think it was a, a six, Tomer. A six. I, you, I, uh, I literally bring these decks every week, Tomer. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Well, some some of us aren't like <laughs> godlike players, Richard. Yeah, right? Richard, some you beat us, us with the like, precon. Yeah, Seth and I. <laughs> yeah, like Seth and I had our decks. Like Seth had a Brago deck, and I Richard, had my Animar deck, and you beat, you beat us, us with a Kadena. All right, you're a special case. All right, not everybody is a Richard piloting these decks. You know, like. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we, we we say three. I say three. You you guys say four. I say I, three. I, I say. I three. could see. I could see the argument for three too. But it's it's not laughably I, bad. But the like, board state, I think it's a lot better than a normal precon. But that's board what state is, right? matters is the name of the game. <laughs> that line right there in a three. Yep. <laughs> is the I mean, reason. It, it resonates so well with this deck. Yeah. It has like no yeah. mana rocks, but that kind of yeah. makes sense if you're playing fledgling off. What are you trying to so. ramp into? You're playing three yeah, mana exactly. birds. It's <laughs> great <laughs> if you just start with a dowsing dagger in hand, and it was like great when you hacked, actually had like a Biden Thassa. But what about the games where you don't find like those handful of cards? You have no way of tutoring them. None of your birds do anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're smack talking this deck. We're smack talking this deck. Me, but it did beat us. It did yes. beat all of us at, at Commander Clash. Which oh, Krim was it there. Yeah. I won with this deck. Yeah, he won with this deck. So so context, folks, he actually beat us all with this deck. 
but like i think like first of all i think it is it has to do with pilot skill obviously like you had the you had the pilot in a way where you weren't like overextended and you weren't like drawing too much attention to yourself and also i think i think consistency wise i don't think it's the most consistent deck like if we played multiple games i feel like there's gonna be a lot of games where you just don't find you know the the perfect top deck or whatever and, and crush us it's, it's called mulliganing tomer sure, but, sure. What, so what do you think so you guys mentioned player Four. skill and that's something none of these things talk about well it's not a, it's, it's not as player relevant ranking. it's not a player skill ranking it's a deck ranking but doesn't that affect the outcome of the play group definitely yeah definitely yeah, right? like, like, like if you have someone who's really good and then they come in with an eight deck like it's, they're just gonna steamroll the table, it's right? More, yeah, it's it's going to be scarier than a person who like literally is new to Magic and was just handed this deck list. You know, like two people piloting the exact same deck, there's gonna be a huge difference. Like I, I remember when we play CDH decks. I remember like <laughs> we were just like it's a pile of we were playing like a pile of tutors. I have no idea what to tutor for. Like I know I didn't build this deck. I never played this deck before. It's it tells it's very powerful. I know like it could be very good. It could be like a nine or a ten. Uh, but I have no idea what what's going on. Like they, they, I vaguely understand the combo. I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna play it as if it was like a five. I probably actually kill myself. I probably had nauseam and murder myself. So it was, in that regard, it's like a two. In my hands, but like the deck itself is powerful. <laughs> I love that yeah. episode because I remember like us reading our primers as we were going. <laughs> like, hold, hold on, one second. What does it say here? And the first I time think... we did CDH playing other people's decks, uh, Richard pick, picked Rurik Thar. No tutoring, no, no, nothing fancy there, and he just destroyed all of us. He just one v three the rest of the table and killed us because we had no idea what to do. Wasn't it the same <laughs> time when we a second time around when we did CDH when he just goblined us immediately. He's goblined us, and he knows also, he knows he knows the lines. We don't know the lines. We yeah, won't be able to do that. I also think it goes the other way too because Richard plays a lot of decks that probably rank lower than the rest of ours on the scale. But because Richard's really good at playing Commander, uh, he wins a lot with them. So I feel like even if Birds is like a three or a four, when Richard's playing it, it's probably like on it's par with all of our. Yeah, it's probably a six, and it like keeps up with the rest of the table because of Richard's skill yeah. playing Commander. You're allowed to bring a worse deck. Yeah. Theoretically, right? Like as long as you know that you're bringing a knife to a gunfight. Right, you just don't want to be surprised. But if you know what's going on, you're yeah. allowed to bring a worse deck. And to me, so, it's more enjoyable to play bad cards than to play good cards and to win. <laughs> right? Like I think that goes for a lot of us. Right? We just yeah. play Grixis piles because why not? Right? Or we just draw cards. Excuse me. <laughs> why not? Right? So, Richard, if if you're gonna try to get a even match at a command fest. Do you think it would be correct for you to say this is a six because you're playing it, even though by the definition it's a four? But like, if everyone else is playing fours, you're probably gonna crush them because well, you're better I, than I would feel really bad playing this deck at a table of new players and precons. So I would not match myself against other threes, right? But wouldn't you feel bad if you were playing against new players and you were running the same precon as them and just schooling them with it? Like, it doesn't really matter what deck. You just don't want to be playing as new players, right? 
I guess, I guess yeah. in that sense, it's actually, it's, if I was in school somewhere, I'd school them with, like, you know, bad birds. Right? So maybe you're feel right. Worse. I don't know. Then they can't even use the excuse while all he was playing a high-powered deck. It's like, I mean, it just goes birds. down to how you play. Like, if I play against new players, I'm not going to take, like, the most aggressive lines and, and try to win, right? I'm not going to, like, yeah. tutor for my game-ending one-sided board wipe and, like, destroy them all. I would just do random stuff and, like, try to have fun, right? So I guess yeah. it matters how you play the game as well. Uh, when you sit down, right? If you know everyone's new, you know, yeah, you can take back three turns. It's fine, right? <laughs> you know, if you're playing down at CDH, like, you tapped wrong, too bad. Sorry, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess it depends on the context of the game, too, right? Yeah. Okay, so we went over everybody's sample deck list with this right. power ranking scale. Has people's opinions changed? On this power ranking scale now, uh, that we've uh, used it, I think I think it's even worse now because everyone thinks their deck's an eight, no matter how bad it Wait, might no, be. No, but we just all came to like our decks are sixes, except mine, which <laughs> I is think close. That's fair. But I think I, we we all started off overrating our decks, like uh, based on what that, our consensus yeah. was. Everyone yeah. was right. like, "Oh, I'm an eight, and then we talk about it, and we're like, eh, "Actually, maybe it's a six. Or I was like, "Oh, mine's probably a seven, and we're like, "Yeah, probably it's a six. So. I don't know. I guess it shows part of the challenge when you go to sit down at a... I mean, maybe you just discount everyone's grades by, like, two because you assume their ego or whatever is, like, bumping it up a little bit, the ego tax. It's, could it's, it also... Sorry, it's funny because, like, normally people... This is the... I would feel like the first time in a group where we overrate our decks. <laughs> right? Like, because normally... I remember at GP Vegas, someone was like, oh, I have a Silvala deck. It's about a six. And it's like, it, it won on, like, turn two or something like that. Yeah. So, I don't uh, know. No, normally, that's the general situation. Like, that's the situation. <laughs> because you don't want to overrate your deck and end up in a pod of CEDH players. So you, like, yeah. lowball it. So you play with, like... You know, reasonable decks, Birds. but then it turns out your deck is actually good. Birds. It could also be like, like, uh, like a <laughs> nagging thought of like, I, I don't want to lose. I want to have a higher chance of winning. So you, you, you lowball your deck table. that way. Yeah. <laughs> like, hope you get paired. I'd be terrified of losing. So my eight <laughs> that, that, is more. I think of a that's five. also very true because we play so much magic, right? If we lose, we're like, whatever, sleeve up next game. You know, next week, next hour, next minute. If you are a casual player, and let's say you go to Magic Fest, and Magic Fest comes around once a year, and it's the only time of year you can play EDH, right? It's important for you to have uh, good games and very important for you to match up with the you know similar players, right? But you'll also want your deck to like do its thing and maybe even win, right? This could lead mm -hmm. you to altering the power level of your deck, right? Maybe you lowball it to make sure you play against bird decks so that the game does go to turn eight so you can actually like play your three card combo right like maybe that is a thing right I, I don't i don't know right or maybe you worked really hard on this deck and you think you know it's an eight out of ten because you put so much effort into it right uh so there's like a different there are different factors that come into play that we don't understand because we play magic too much but you know yeah once a year grand prix like... players right like they, they have a different mindset right yeah, our sample size is so high. Like we play so much magic that we it, you can't you can't go in playing this much magic wanting to win every single game, right? Yeah. Because then you will just you will hate the game after like week 4 of play like 10 plus games every single week, right? Like you're going to be losing so much. You have yeah. to get you have to get accepted to the, the fact that 
And that's not the case for a lot of people where we're just playing Commander maybe maybe once a month and you get two games in. You want to make sure, like Richard said, those games are going to be good. I'm going to have fun. And part of that fun criteria for me is me pulling off cool things and slash winning the game. Usually that, that's what pulling off means. I, I kind of feel like going through this experience with our decks does show how this would work, I think, for a playgroup that's playing together all the time. But then I'm not sure, like, it's necessary for a playgroup because if you have a playgroup and you're playing every week or every month, you probably have other ways of, like, socially keeping people's decks in lines or your friends and you'd be like, hey, don't play that because, you know, I'm not going to invite you next time. We won't be friends anymore or whatever, Krim. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> but We even have house bands. We all spoke, like, as a post-mortem and we're like, these are the cards that we don't enjoy playing in our environment. And we house banned them because of that reason. There was also some cards that we just house banned for the sake of, because we're, we run Commander Clash, we want to make stuff a good viewing experience as well. Um, so we, we ran some cards, like we banned some stuff that we were running too much. We want some variety because we think that's going to be better for the viewer experience. Or we want less variance, you know, like, so we have a bunch of things, but like that, like never, we never talk about like, oh, my deck is a power level six for next week so everybody sh shoot for a six we've played so much that we just know we just know yeah. what, what's acceptable and what's not and when we overshoot it we usually understand that pretty quickly usually in the yeah. usually when we debrief like we do talk about games uh decks in the game and after the game we'll be like ah this this deck was too powerful this time and we'll know not to do it uh, next time. You know, I think Sometimes we've been really good about that. Like that, like our our play group is very good at matching each other's power level. Like, I think the only time we haven't was the one time where Seth made a bunch of ice treasures and then and then like <laughs> passed hey, the turn. Hey, hey, now, <laughs> Savella's still sweet. I got, I got, I got, I got angry emails about Svella, By the way, there's a lot of Svella Svella stands. That are very upset that I smack talked. Uh, so I, I, I apologize. In it's advance. okay. My inboxes are my inboxes are open to all the Silvella. Yeah. But, but yeah, imagine we're strangers and we're gonna play these four decks at a Grand Prix. We sit down. We get an eight and eight, a six and a. What did Richard initially say? Two or something? Like, you had a pretty low score <laughs> like initially. Right? I think two or three, but and I think we, we ended around, up at three or four. And then we sat around for a half hour and, like, went over the criteria and batched it out. And we eventually determined, eh, we're all, like, pretty close. We could play these decks against each other, and it would probably be a fine match. But does anyone want to do that at a Magic Fest? Do you want to take a half hour mm -hmm. of, like, reading line by line through the list and, like, debating if this is a 6.5 or a 7 or three or four like like do you actually want to do that or do you just want to play well, magic that that's also true it's I, I think all of us said we we're like an eight or whatever initially like but we didn't read the we didn't read this power ranking guy we, we we like once we actually went through the power ranking guy then it was very easy like there was no major ambiguity there but like i just said mine's like a seven uh, without even looking at the criteria. And then when we looked at the criteria, it was like, wait a minute, it is a six. But like the commander is really scary. Uh, so maybe that maybe that increases a little bit more. Maybe it's a high seven. You're a high six, you know, like that. Um, so like we had self-assessments. We had our own idea of what a, a scale is, but it was based on our own perception of what a, a scale is, not actually using this scale. And when we used it, it was a lot easier to, to figure out. But like, like you said, like, 
sitting down and, and, and doing all that for just one game of magic with some randos? Is that is that uh is that something practical? Is that something a lot of people are willing to do, spend half an hour or whatever, to like if, everybody use the same power ranking guide, look at the checklist, figure it out, uh, and agreeing you, on the same checklist too. If you pulled the checklist so out of your practice. backpack at a magic fest, I would probably <laughs> not want to play with like, all right, guys, I got, I got the list, gather uh, around, <laughs> hang on, wait, yeah. no, wait, that mana base, that's the death land. So at, at Magic Fest, well, is that that's a dual one land? mark against it. Uh, <laughs> the most common way, the most common thing people say, right, is not actually power levels in my experience, but it's also maybe because they know us, but they usually come up and say they're commander and if they're running infinites or not. Like, apparently infinites is a very important thing, right? It, it just tells you whether they're comboing off or not. Mm-hmm. And usually that and your strategy. Like, I'm playing stacks. You guys want to play against stacks? Or I'm playing, you know, a really sweet bird deck, right? Like, you immediately kind of know the power level. Like, it doesn't matter how tuned that bird deck is. Like, you kind of know what the power level is. And given the commander, you also know what the scary commanders are, right? right? And you know if they're running, like, yeah, I'm running... You know, I'm running two card combos. I'm running, um, you know, Helm of Hosts uh, Bandit <laughs> combo, or I'm running Thassa's Oracle combo. And I think, like, those answers only take, like, you know, 20 seconds, but that gives you a fairly good idea of the deck uh, according to your ideas, right? Like, you can interpret how good that is based on your scale, and you can power match uh, that deck, right? And a lot of people had multiple decks, right? If you're like, oh, that's probably too strong. They're like, oh, look, I have this pre-con here, or I have this other deck here. I have skeletons or whatever, right? Like, they have multiple decks uh, to to try to power match levels with. So I think that's how it actually works in practice. Because like Krim said, he comes back and he's like, yeah, I played a game of sevens, and we got, like, turn two destroyed, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. everyone's seven, like, means nothing, right? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And like it's never, it's always never going to be perfect, right? Like, right. Like, like I said before, like some some decks run hot, some don't. So even if even if like ideally it's perfect based on your your agreed upon criteria, it won't ever pan out that way. Or sometimes people just get it wrong, you know? Like, oh, I didn't play this deck for a while. I guess it it pops off a lot faster than I thought. Oh, like you know, this fast mana was just ran really well for me, and I didn't expect it to be. Like that just happens. And yeah, I think like I think the problem with like all these grading scales is like yeah, uh, the amount of time you need to spend to make sure it works well, and uh, who you're doing it for. Like if you're playing with your play group, you don't really need this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you play with them very often and like everybody's already meshing well, then you don't need this. Um, and if you're in a random uh, pickup game at like an event or whatever like that, then this might take too long. Like you just you only have time for like an hour and a half worth of magic, and you don't want to spend an extra half hour of that uh, debating on the specifics of the power level. I think Seth already kind of echoed it, right? Like I don't think most yeah. people want to sit down for thirty minutes <clears throat> and discuss the intricacies of their deck before playing yeah. a game. Okay, right? so because we'll- where this matters most is when you're trying to play like one game and it has to be good. If you yeah. can play like eight games, it doesn't matter, right? But if you go play one game, you can't spend 30 minutes of it discussing deck details, right? All right. So that is the power ranking scale, or at least one example of it. One that I think is actually a good example of it. But like if you if you have even better scales, you know, or more popular ones that we neglected, uh, you can leave us a comment as well and we'll check those out. Uh, but 
there is some alternatives to the power ranking scale. Like we already discussed, uh, if you just you know talk with your player uh, with your play group, if you have a if you have a if you have a, like a regular play group, uh, you don't need to scale at all because you just play with each other and you will kind of suss out how your decks compare to others over the course of many many di different games. However, uh, for people who are also trying to use a power ranking system to make sure that strangers together can meet up and play at a balanced play group, uh, there was one notable alternative that recently came up uh, that the professor over at Tolarian Community College recently posted, and it was like a, a big video, uh, where, he, where he made the argument of actually uh, removing this power level, this concept of power levels um in commander uh either remove it entirely or like kind of use it like as sparingly as possible and replace it with another system to figure out balance at the table and his criticisms uh, against power levels is is kind of like what seth said uh initially at least uh, the subjective and arbitrary um and people always have different assessments which i think is definitely true uh with all of us as you can see uh when we were doing our own assessments of our own decks we all we all came up with an initial number that was very different than what we ended up with um and he discussed four different alternatives three of them being pre-game uh pre-game things you should be doing and then one thing uh one thing that you want to be doing after the game so the first three things before you even before you even start the game of magic uh, the pre-game thing instead of doing a power level discussion uh number one uh you ask the table how long do we have to play or how long do you want to play uh the example being grindy games or stacks games go very long and fast combo decks or like group slug decks like uh uh, Mogus got a slaughter, for example, uh, end up making the game go really fast. So if you have like a burn deck at the table, then the game will go faster. And maybe you don't want to have a, a fast game. You want to have a, a slow game and then grindy games, stacks games go longer. So figure out in general, how much time, how much time do you want to spend on this activity? Number two, are we playing to win or are we playing to socialize, uh, being social or competitive? And Prof made a really good point where most salt comes from subverted expectations where you're sitting down and you think you're, you're going to have this casual game of magic where the primary focus is actually just to chat and have like a long game of dirtling uh, in, in the background. Uh, whereas, you know, some people might be playing competitively and their, their main focus at the table is to play to win. So subverting expectations is the cause of salt, which I think was really smart. Um, and then the third thing you want to ask uh, at the table before you bust out the, the decks is what you don't like playing against. What are you not in the mood for? And his example in the video was like, let's say you've just played a bunch of games against like control decks, blue control decks that just countered everything, removed all your permanents, and you just were just allowed to just sit at the table not doing anything for a long, long time. Maybe after doing that two or three times, you're like, you know what? I don't want to play against like a hard control deck. I want, maybe maybe we can mix it up and we focus on more like aggressive creature-based strategies instead. Um, and he said, like, fun is not a zero-sum sum game. Uh, don't use it as an excuse to disallow certain deck strategies from being played. Number four is you pick a deck for the table, not the game. Um, and you want to choose a commander that is the right tier, not power level, tier, 
Um, and he only gave three options. Basically, classic tier, which are like cool but low impact commanders. He said Yeva, Korlash, Lyra, Dawnbreaker. Uh, strat uh, the second tier is strategy payoff enabler, like mid tier, uh, which would be like Feather, Alila, and Marin. And then finally, top tier is like Golos, Kenrith, Korval, these high impact commanders. And then after you play that game, you should have a post-game debrief, number five. Uh, you find out how everybody felt about the, how the game went, if everybody was happy with the experience, and then how to adjust for the next game uh, now that you have that, that knowledge. So five things to do uh, when you're matching up instead of a power ranking system. So that was a spiel. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> I think that talking more is good. Uh, I think that, that that makes sense to me, talking with the, your playgroup or who you're playing with. I like some of uh, some of the ideas. I'm not sure about the tier list of commanders. I think just based on my own experience, like one thing that I remember recently is playing a game with uh, with Vince, and I think you were there, Tomer. Were you there when I played the Big Lebowski deck? Yes. Eh, okay, yeah. But I had Golos. And he was like Reaper King? I, I had Golos as my commander. Oh, yeah, and Golos yeah. is like top tier, one of the legitimate best commanders you can play. But my deck was a one. It was a literal one. It was squires and just a all big Lebowski. It was the literal pile. So I feel like if you focus too heavily on just like commander tier lists, I don't know. I don't think that works any better than this ranking scale, honestly, because your commander doesn't necessarily describe the power of your deck because you can build really bad decks with a good commander or really good decks with a bad commander. Okay. Richard, any thoughts on these? I, I would points? say the, the only relevant one was for the tier of commander. So, like, how long do we want to play, I think, is kind of irrelevant because you can't control it, right? There's some notion that CEDH goes fast, but it doesn't, right? It only goes fast when there's a lopsided victory, right? It's just you're doing more interaction on the early turns. But, you know, unless you're all, like, Armageddoning each other or whatever, like, games are always commander. Like, there's enough variance that it doesn't matter. You're going to sit down for, like, two, three hours and try to play a game. So I don't think that's relevant. Number two, no one's trying to win, I don't think, right? Like, you know, you just rule out the CEDH players. Well, they're CEDH players, right? Everyone else is trying to socialize or they're at least pretending to socialize while trying to win, but like they're going to fall under the socialized group, right? So that I think is also irrelevant, right? Like no CEDH player is really going to sit down with someone playing pre-cons and like roll them and be happy with it. So that is irrelevant. Three, what don't you like playing against? I also think is irrelevant, like... You can request someone play a different deck, but usually what that means is you play a different deck, right? Like if Krim wants to play control and I'm playing like some tribal deck, I'm like, maybe this is not the week to play tribal decks because I don't want to get, you know, wiped every turn. I'll just play this other deck. So usually that's within your control by playing multiple decks because you can control bringing two decks. You can't control Krim having two decks, right? Like maybe his other deck is... Grixis versus Esper control. You're out of luck. He's playing control, right? So you control that by bringing different that decks. Is, that is a real... <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Is literally so what I happens. think number four is true. I think number four is if someone's playing goals, you should be afraid of them. But if they say, hey, I'm playing Big Lebowski theme deck, you're like, okay, I'm not afraid, right? If, there's, if they say, hey, I'm playing, you know, an optimized Golos deck, you should be very afraid. Or if they say, I'm playing Golos, but I'm just playing like a budget version, you should be mildly afraid. But I do I also, think the commander matters, right? Yeah. Along I also found archetype. it a little bit weird because, like, I know I've seen, like, Lyra Dawnbringer. They put it at the classic tier, the lowest the lowest rung. 
But like, Classic. there's a big difference between like a liar, Dawnbringer. Hey, I just had a bunch of like random. Uh, I collect I collect angel cards, and I just put a bunch of angels in the deck, and it it won't even cast a spell until turn five. Versus like, I'm a liar, Dawnbringer deck. My deck is five thousand dollars. I go, I run every single zero CMC mana rock. And every single, I eke every single little advantage I can get in mono white. It's actually an equipment deck. I run the entire sword cycle, and I also have a bunch of combos. Yes, combos in mono white. Like, okay, but yeah, that's stronger than the Golos Big Lebowski deck. Like, man, yeah. number that's four. I, like, you got you got to ask them what their deck is, right? Like, yeah. I am playing a really good Lyra deck, right? I have all the white staples versus. I took every five CMC angel from my binder and put it in this deck because I love angels, right? That tells you immediately what the deck power level is, right? That's all you need to know, right? You just need but, to know, I guess, their intent in deck building. Did you put all the cutthroat cards in? Like, if you're playing mono red, are you playing the two card combos, right? Are you playing cards like Insurrection, right? Or are you playing like Stone Rain for the lulls? I don't know, right? So I think Commander we... plus intent is good enough to... For you to make up your own power scale, right? You can be, yeah, that's a six in my mind or that's eight, whatever. It doesn't matter because it's consistent in your brain, right? It kind of seems like we wrap back around to the the power level scale, though. Because if you're going to be like, oh, I have like a nine Lyra compared to a two Lyra, like, yeah. then aren't we kind of like somewhat wrapping back around to the same thing that we started with a, a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe I think the scale is good. I just think there should and be three tiers. I, yeah, <laughs> just, I like, see this, simplify this is, it, right? I think this would like eliminate but. a lot of that, right? If we just cut out like a ton of tiers, just like jank, I'm playing an angel deck, you know, like or or something like that, or I'm playing a bird deck. So I I really like Richard's idea of just lobbing off a ton of this. Sure, I think that's what I would prefer too. Like cut off CDH, cut out the random pile of cards, and focus on the like three to eight range, and have that be kind of. Uh, you know two or three levels in there or whatever you need to do and maybe that would be a little bit more comprehensible and a little faster because then maybe we're not debating each line of this power scale like oh is it like a focus plan or a specific plan and trying to debate like the merits of those words and whatnot hey you're more main... focused than i thought you were hold on <laughs> I think the main thing with ha including like cdh is like being inclusive like not trying to like swat off cdh at the rest of the table but i i'm not part of the cdh community so i'd love to hear from cdh players if they want their decks to be even on the scale or you just want it on a, on a separate scale Wait, in general. i don't i don't think CDH they're playing a different be... game right i'm mean, not, not like so. there's anything wrong with cdh what it is is that like there's no reason to have them on the scale because the point of cdh is to build the most optimal version of whatever deck right and like the yeah. best deck and find the best way to win the game so if you're if you're it's not like i'm going to show up with my at the cdh pod and be like hold on but the game plan is to competitively beat you with Shadow Mage Infiltrator. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? I don't, I like, don't like know. It's I inherent think, I think in it's the game, spectrum. right? Yeah. I don't think CEDH is its own thing. It's just a spectrum. It's just like something has to be a 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 on the power level. And that's what we call CDH. Like that's just. But you never play with non CDH though. The philosophy is different. That's the for me. Yeah. That's the 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 difference. Yeah. And that's why I think of CDH as its own thing is, like everything from one to eight is playing social games like primarily and then if you're playing nine or ten you're playing legacy multiplayer vintage multiplayer with your goal being to win so that's for me that's what the cutoff is i feel like the very ethos of the formats are are what separates it. it's different 
Because one, you're trying to win. One, you're trying to like have fun and socialize. Uh, I mean, I'm not part of CDH, so like, I'm not, I'm not going to to debate the merits on CDH here because. I, I think they're. I think it's fine. I think they're tr- trying to have fun as well, and I, I like having them on the scale. But like, I, I mean, don't even know. Maybe CDH don't don't want them. Yes, yeah, so I mean, they should be their own tier. Yeah, they should have their own tier. But when you're trying to sit down and determine power levels, like they, you don't need to. You know, if you're CDH, fine, right? But like, you don't need to be there. But you yeah, don't want to sit down and CDH and steamroll some precons, right? Like, yeah, I guess in a way it is irrelevant when like CDH. Like the difference between like an eight and a nine on this tier list might be a little bit bigger than, than an eight and a seven, for example. It could just be like two different two different like planes here. Um, it, and it, if that is true, then I think that makes sense to uh, to lop them off. And it's and just try like to... the pile of cards can be lopped off. Doesn't mean you can't yeah. play, right? Like if you're no. a, like a, a beginner or you just like put together a deck, you can still play with the group. But yeah. like, there's no point in trying to assert your power level when you're just a beginner right like you don't know what's yeah. going on or you haven't built a real deck you just put some cards together like there's no point in trying to fine grain that and like convolute uh you know what you're trying to determine right yeah all right well i mean i also the 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 reason why we, we brought up the whole power level thing it was mostly spurred by uh the professor's video like that that seemed like a good talking point like what we trying to analyze power level scale now that you know we had a chance to sit down and and, and think about it um I, I i love the professor's ideas on it but like i don't think i i personally much prefer like having a universally accepted power level guide and and using that as a shorthand and then discussing together if you have extra time but like prof prof suggestions i think runs exact same problems as the power level system where like if you have these five talking points or whatever uh it's, it's very time consuming and if you have that much time then i think you, you i think you'd be better off just using a power level checklist that has everybody agreed upon and go through it together like we just did um and also i feel like he kind of painted himself into a corner when he talked about tier lists because like his entire thing was removing power ranking scales and then he literally adds a power ranking scale into it. And that one is worse because like we it's just simplified. talked about like a bad, badly made Golos that is a pile of cards is going to be worse than like a top made optimized Lyra deck. So like I feel like I feel like I was like nodding my head to him with like uh number ones to three and then number four. I'm like, whoa, prof, what what happened here? What's going on? <laughs> I, I think I the overall message is correct, though, in that it's, you don't yeah. just like throw a number out there and call it a day. That there needs to be a little discussion, and you're trying to achieve the same goal, which is to socialize and have fun, and that we do need a bit of discussion. Now we don't agree on the particular questions being asked or how long and things like that, but you know, it's it's a discussion, and a number doesn't encapsulate the discussion, right? So there there should be like a little discussion, but usually when we play, the discussion is like one minute right like for yeah. everyone right it's not like this familiar. in-depth breakdown yeah. right it's Are just quick enough week? yes yeah yeah we always realize oh, we, we discuss that oh, we really never discuss that that that's because you're always like five minutes late walking thor we do we, we, we <laughs> do we talk about get there. Not in, in the chat yet. <laughs> so one last question for you guys do you think the rules committee should do something about this since they are the governing body of EDH, should they set forth a standard or a guideline or say, you know, officially, this is the power level rating 
we use for all EDH events, such that you know Channel Firewall doesn't have their own thing for Magic Fest and then uh, Command Fest or whatever. And then the next online tournament you use does like the profs method, and it's just like this hodgepodge of ideas. Should they actually step in and do something about this? Hmm. I would say not them in particular. <laughs> I want them to do as little as possible. I, this, so is, this is a topic for then. another time. But my my uh, I like the RC as long as they do their their number one job for me is to be stability. Right? Don't do anything, but just be there. Be really good at not doing anything. I really like I really like that role that they have. Um, so if a lot of people say use this power ranking scale and it became just universally accepted in the community that this is what the majority of people like and use when they're doing like webcam EDH or doing organizational events and channel fireballs using it and like the discord servers where you can find EDH games are using it too. Then it would be cool for the RC to adopt it and be like, we, prom we promote this specific kind. I do not want the, the rules committee to make their own, though, because I feel like that would be a disaster. <laughs> I, uh, I think that having one list that everyone agreed upon would be valuable. Whether or not the RC has to do it, that is another question that... I kind of lean with Tomer. Like, I don't know if it needs to be their rule to do it or to uh, support one that comes out of the community. But I still don't like having 10 different items in the 1 to 10 scale. So I hope if we do unite around one of these lists that it's simplified and has less numbers on it and then hopefully is a little more meaningful. What do you think, Bram? I mean, for me, I, I, I don't know. That's a tough question because, like, I don't, yeah, like, I, I don't think that this is necessarily something that the RC needs to do. I, I, it's just kind of simple as that. I just I, I feel like this isn't exactly their, their th issue. Because, I mean, how do you govern a whole group of people or help them out when it's, like, a lot of subjective stuff? I feel like it's more like a signal boost. Like, I don't want them to do it. I literally yeah. just want them to signal boost whatever the community settles upon, but the if community... they ever do settle upon. Exactly. That's the thing. You're also like, well, hold on. <laughs> the community yeah, it... ha can't, like, hasn't settled on like anything, really, right? Like, I mean, we bounce around between tons of stuff, like, all the time. Like, should multicolored spells, like, you know what I mean? Like, um, whatever hybrid mana spells be in Commander decks, you know? or, or yeah. You know, like, so I... It's just hard because that's the weird thing about commanders. There's so many subjective things uh, added into it. Yeah, there's too many variables. That's the inherent nature of the format. It's like it's hard to pinpoint and say objectively this is this is what what the deck is. This is what the play group is. Blah 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 blah. Because like it's a hundred card format with a, a deck that's inherently very high variance, and there's four of us, and it's also a social game. How do you objectify social games? I don't know. There's a there's a lot of variables here, but yeah, okay. So maybe maybe don't have the RC uh, involved in it, and maybe maybe do. I don't know. Let us know in the comments section below if you're not listening on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, thank you very much. Um, but okay, so that's basically it, everyone. I think we covered everything. Uh, are we gonna do fish mail today? <laughs> you mean clash mail, Probably which we haven't episode. done. For three episodes because we keep going over. <laughs> <laughs> so over. 
All right, maybe we just make maybe we just make what, a little. Why don't we do outro. two? Just like pick two, right? Like like. All right. We just don't go over like like two. Uh, we're already uh, hour and thirty eight minutes. Just yeah, yeah. Well, one I, lucky winner. One yeah. lucky winner. Tony. All right. All right. So <laughs> we're going to finish it with one singular clash mail uh, question <laughs> because we're way over. Um, Alexander Miller. This is a question that actually I get emailed a lot. So let's just go for it. What are some things you wish people would include more in viewer submitted decks, ramp removal, etc.? Is there a recipe for a top tier viewer submitted deck? Thank you for the question, Alexander Miller. What what are what do you guys look for in a viewer submitted deck? Oh, for a viewer submitted deck, I look for interaction. Uh, like legitimately, it has to have interaction and. I don't know. The more ways that you can kind of like troll people is like probably like funnier and like whatever just seems like a like if it's got a funny like idea or theme behind it like like Richard's the deck when Richard would pick to skip your own turn. That's a funny idea. That's a trolly kind of idea and it's it, it it's something that I can get down with. So I would pick something like that just seems funny to me. If it makes me chuckle or like somebody sent me literally an all bolus theme thing where it had everything bolus, everything. And the only reason why I didn't pick it was because Moto didn't have the cards. Fair enough. I think for me, it's kind of, there's no way to guarantee that I'll select your list. Although I do tend to look for like janky, fun, different themes that I haven't played before. But if your deck list doesn't have the basics, like some ramp, some card draw spells, hopefully like a little bit of interaction. If it's missing that, even if I really like the theme, I feel like I can't pick it because I know I'm not going to have fun once I just like run out of cards and don't do everything. So it's more like you got to get to this minimum standard of like playability. And then I'm looking for like the janky fun themes or something unique that I've uh, never done before. Once you hit that like baseline of like, okay, the deck's functional. Now show me something sweet on top of that functionality. I'm actually opposite from you guys. (laughs) I like to pick decks that don't look like decks I've built. Uh, so it may be lacking a lot of ramp and card draw and I'll play it just to see if it works, right? Because if it follows, like if, if all the decks I choose had dousing, like I know how that card works, right? But sometimes people play some weird janky stuff. I'll be like, huh, does that actually work? I play it. Maybe it doesn't work and it's horrendous, but at least, you know, I, I learned something, which is why I like when viewers submitted decks. So if you have a strange theme and it also is not the style of deck I would play, right? Like... Uh, I really like that just to experience because that's the one time I get to experience a deck I don't build, right? To see maybe there's another strategy that works really well or there's a combo that I never saw or thought of. And so I I like exploring those parts. Yeah, and I'm pretty much the same. Like I love gimmick decks. I love decks that I personally would not like play multiple times, but it has a really cool gimmick, a cool theme that's like like a one-line sentence that it's like, you know, silly. Like maybe it's like it's a cowboy bebop deck, and I love cowboy bebop, and I don't really care about the cards themselves. But as Seth said, like if if it has the fundamentals too, like if you just give me like a deck concept, and it's clearly like you just put in like a bunch of concept cards, and you cut it down to a hundred cards, and there's like twenty lands, and no ramp, and no card draw, and like it just it it literally just copy pasted a bunch of cards you thought were cool and threw them together, then I'll probably notice and I won't click it. Um, but yeah, I just like gimmick stuff. I like stuff that I haven't played before. Uh, be it a combo that's really silly and janky, uh, or a concept or a commander that I haven't played. 
Uh, generally speaking, though, if you like give me like Golos or Corvold or something like that, I won't click it. And also, I refuse to take anything that has Cauldra in it or Moonfolk in it because I feel like both of those things are like kind of very, kind of personal for me, you know. Like they're personal projects, and I don't want to play somebody else's deck. I feel like part of building the deck is part of my enjoyment of it. So I'm never going to I'm never going to pick somebody's college deck. And I got a lot of those submissions, for example. Um, yeah. So that's it. All right, friends. We went over this uh, quite long podcast. Hopefully, uh, not all of these will be quite as long we're shooting for an hour folks we're shooting for an hour uh, <laughs> but anyway uh if you want to get your questions answered on a future podcast send us a tweet at hashtag clash mail and we will select from uh those uh search results over there you can also like email us or whatever but clash mail is the easiest way because we just type it and it's super easy to to pick it up so use hashtag clash mail tweet it out on the twitter and uh, we will, we might, we might choose it for a future podcast. And that's it, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our discussion on power ranking systems. And we'll be back uh, bi-weekly. That's the plan. Actually, we're going to be showing up with a special podcast next week. I think very special, very unique. Huzzah! I think maybe Richard. Yes, yes, perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. Don't need to edit this part out. Uh, so we're going to be back next week for a special podcast. And uh, from then on, we're going to go bi-weekly. I think that's the plan. So until next time, friends, see ya.